You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. America. Up. Ten. Hot. Eddie's. Welcome to Fearless, the show that feeds the mind of the starving world with mounds and mounds of knowledge. Speaking of mounds and mounds, he's the round mound of Nashtown. He's Jason Whitlock. I'm your thrill sergeant, Uncle Jimmy. And today's show is gonna be a lot like Jason's love life. A Little bit longer than usual and surprisingly great. Listen, man, Jason's gonna start the show off today talking about Leah Thomas. You know who that is. That's the transgender bender swimmer. And I was gonna put it like this. His mama call him Willem, I'm gonna call him Willem, okay? That's it, end of story. Now, kicking the day's show off, we gonna head out and see our boy Dave Shannon. It's 2022 and he's still the only brother living in Idaho. Hey man, Dave's gonna come in here and tell us what he thinks and see what's happening with that. Then. It's my favorite time of the show, my favorite guest. It's the first lady of the Fearless family. And I'm talking about Shamika, Shamika the real Michelle. Now Jason calls her Smoke Show, but I just personally like to call her Shamika Badass because she's a real badass. You know what I'm saying? And then we're gonna jump into the rows and we're gonna head up to Minneapolis, to the Twin Cities. And Jason's gonna do what he does best and he's gonna sit down and chomp it up with our guy, Royce Wright, okay? And then in case y'all don't know, their Stephen A. Smith has been out, excuse me. <laughs> but our Stephen A, AKA Stephen A. Kim, he's in the house. Hey, Steve, Uncle Jimmy's gonna tell you right now, you may wanna call your friends over at ESPN because Jason is fitting to do them Willie Willie Wong, okay? Check it out, man. Everybody's coming in to join on this fire starter. So it's that time. Let's release the doves. Let's release the hounds. Let's give J-Dub them five stars. Give me the dilly dilly if you feel me. Hey, go over, put some swag in your bag. Go over there and make some perch on the merch. Hey, what else can it hurt? Hey, man, it's that time, man. It's that time for Uncle Jimmy to roll out like a piece of Ethiopian foreskin. And here he is. The man that's worth his weight in gold, Jason Big Whitlock. <laughs> Uncle Jimmy, uh, what I tell you I was gonna do when I got out of jail. I told you I was gonna start digging in, oh, I better stop. Uh, <laughs> I've got a fire to start today uh, that's gonna reference uh, Tupac Shakur. Uh, for those of you that don't remember uh, some of Tupac's greatest hits, Hearts of Men, 
that's what I was referencing there. Uh, Jim, I'm going to start digging into ESPN's chess here uh, very shortly. Uh, I hope you all enjoy this fire starter. I, I hope that I deliver it the way I have it envisioned in my mind. Uh, it's going to lead to a great discussion today. We got one theme today, and it is about men and what's happened to our hearts. Uh, Leah Thomas is why I have so much animus towards ESPN, the self-described worldwide leader in sports. Thomas is the biological man competing on the University of Pennsylvania women's swimming team. His parents named him William. He originally competed on Penn's men's swimming team. Leah is the most disruptive athlete, perhaps, in the history of American sports. He is Jackie Robinson, Muhammad Ali, and Colin Kaepernick rolled into one gender transition. Thomas is crushing his new peers in the pool. He's pissed off his female teammates. They've been forced to anonymously complain to Outkick.com and the Washington, Washington Examiner about Thomas's illogical and immoral invasion of their sport. Yesterday, an anonymous pen swimmer spoke to the Washington Examiner, a defunct newspaper turned conservative website. Uh, the anonymous swimmer said, quote, <clears throat> yeah, it's definitely really stressful. It definitely weighs on my mind a lot because it's definitely had hard to overcome the feeling of feeling completely overlooked as if the NCAA just does not care about us at all. And nobody cares about how this is affecting us at all. It just seems like if you say anything, everyone is just going to attack you and call you transphobic. And it's not even true. We just want to have what we were promised by joining the swim team, which is fair competition and equal opportunities. It's been really frustrating because we all agree, and I have yet to meet anyone or talk to anyone who thinks what is going on is okay. So I'm unaware of Leah Thomas's name ever being uttered on ESPN, the self-described worldwide leader in sports. I can't find his name or a story mentioned anywhere on ESPN.com. Look at this graphic. You punch in Leah Thomas, you're more likely to get Demarius Thomas, Derek Thomas, Doubting Thomases, but no Leah Thomas. A week ago, the Ivy League released a statement supporting Leah Thomas. In part, the statement said, the Ivy League, quote, the Ivy League reaffirms its unwavering commitment to providing an inclusive environment for all student athletes while condemning transphobia and discrimination in any form. So I think this through. The richest, and Ivy League schools are the richest. I think Harvard's endowment is like $52 billion. The most powerful, they produce, the Ivy Leagues produce presidents and powerful politicians the way I produce farts. The most influential, all these other schools, 
follow the lead of Ivy Leagues, of the Ivy League. They are clearly the most influential universities in America. So the Ivy League issued a statement defending Leah Thomas. ESPN said nothing, pretended it didn't happen. Now, Thomas is not the first biological boy to compete against girls, but he is the most important, the most polarizing, and the highest profile. In a normal world, ESPN would be analyzing and discussing the impact of Thomas's swimming career twice as much as the network debated whether Tim Tebow kneeling in prayer was offensive, whether Kaepernick kneeling in protest was offensive, whether Michael Sam kissing his boyfriend on draft day was the greatest thing to ever happen on national TV, whether 65-year-old Bruce Jenner transitioning to Caitlyn made him the greatest woman in the history of America. And ESPN even debated whether George Floyd dying from a combination of drugs and police misconduct, whether or not that was the greatest death, assassination, the most important death of anybody since Abraham Lincoln or Martin Luther King. ESPN debated and talked about all of that. Leah Thomas, nothing. Women's sports, women's collegiate sports are being transformed and quite possibly destroyed right before our eyes. ESPN is ignoring this dramatic change. Michael Sam's kiss, that was a bigger deal. Cowardice is the only explanation. The deafening silence throughout corporate media makes me think of the 1996 Tupac Shakur song, The Hearts of Men. I can't lie, I used to love Tupac's music. I used to listen to it virtually every day. Hearts of Men is a hyper-masculine song that warns men about the wickedness and weakness of many of their peers. When I think about Leah Thomas, his dominance of female swimmers at Penn and in the Ivy League, and how corporate media are intentionally ignoring this story, I think about the wickedness and weakness of men. I'm embarrassed for men. I'm embarrassed by how far we have fallen. Men used to take pride in protecting women. You guys remember uh, just last week, I believe it was, TJ Moe on this show talking about how men were wired to protect women? We used to be wired that way. I think we have that clip. Someone re refresh my Let's play the clip of TJ talking about how men are actually wired. If you want to be treated like a man, you have to be willing to handle it like a man. So I think what's happening is here is anybody who is smart enough to distinguish that men are wired this way to protect, all you have to do is say, I want to be treated just like the men, and then say something like this, knowing everybody's going to come to your rescue. So you have an added layer of this that a man would never have. So you will never be treated equally to a man. You will be treated better. None of us, Jason, you and I could never throw something out there and have the world come running to our protection. That's where it's evil. I actually think it's an intentional manipulation to one of the wonderful things about men, and that is that we are wired to protect women. Now, instead of being wired to protect women, 
Now we take the most pride in protecting our social media brands, our paychecks, and our popularity with the in crowd. Social media has led us to believe that protecting career criminals is more important than protecting college women. ESPN talking heads would riot rather than remain silent over law enforcement's treatment of George Floyd, Jacob Blake, and Rayshard Brooks. Yesterday, we released a video spoof mocking the deification of Floyd, Blake, and Brooks. The spoof points out the absurdity of the attention, concern, and love we lavish on men who spent their lives wreaking havoc on others. Professional athletes, ESPN broadcasters, politicians, celebrity entertainers, and alleged civil rights activists pretend they defend Floyd, Blake, and Brooks as a way of being a voice for the voiceless. A voice for the voiceless. Every TV network and media platform in America has discussed the plight of George Floyd and company. College female athletes? <laughs> we'll leave their struggle to fringe websites. Did Floyd, Blake, and Brooks earn a louder voice than female athletes? Why are male athletes silent about the plight of their female peers? LeBron James, he has a daughter. All of the activist athletes either have daughters, they have female nieces, cousins, sisters, and friends. Steven Jackson, Matt Barnes, they want all the smoke. But they don't want this kind of smoke. They don't want to address this. Ryan Clark, Randy Moss, the guys that love to cry on ESPN. They love all the smoke. They're tough guys. They are outspoken. They are a voice for the voices. Randy Moss put on a tie with all the names of every victim of alleged police misconduct. He's a voice for the voice. He's courageous. Man's on TV. <sighs> Kaepernick, Malcolm Jenkins, all cowards, all of them. They're all out building social media brands off pretending to be these courageous, outspoken activists being voices for the voices. Randy Moss is sitting on TV crying because John Gruden said D. Marie Smith had big lips. Randy Moss has three daughters. They are and or were athletes. He should have an opinion on what's transpiring in women's sports. So should all the other athletes, male and female, who appear on ESPN. Maybe they think what Leah Thomas is doing is great, the greatest thing in the world. I'd love to hear their reasoning. We've listened to them second guess and condemn police officers the past six or seven years. They know nothing about policing, but talk about it endlessly. It's sickening. What has happened to the hearts of men? They have shriveled and disappeared. Our hearts pump Kool-Aid. We spend our energy and emotion and resources fighting to protect criminals who resist arrest, and we have no genuine concern for victims of crime, the safety of law enforcement, or competitive spaces reserved for women. 
I want to be crystal clear here. In 2012, I lost a family member I loved to what I believe and what my family believes was police misconduct. His name was Anton Butler. He had a criminal record that included drugs and guns. I'm not unsympathetic to George Floyd, Jacob Blake, and Rayshard Brooks, but I'm also not an idiot. I have far more sympathy, concern, and passion for law-abiding citizens who are harmed by crime or have their hard-earned opportunities undermined by biological men who feel like women. As Tupac would say, I'm on this side, the real side. On the real side, what Leah Thomas is doing is stop the press's newsworthy. It's worthy of vigorous debate and analysis. It could change the course of history and undermine the rights of biological women. ESPN isn't man enough to enter the discussion. America isn't man enough. We're a nation run by cowards. That's my fire. I'm Tupac today, talking about the hearts of men. And our hearts aren't nearly what they used to be. It's embarrassing. I would be embarrassed if I called myself the worldwide leader in sports and something this historic, this disruptive was going on. The Ivy League is, is issuing statements these women that are competing against Leah Thomas are so intimidated they will only speak anonymously because they don't want their lives shredded. They have to turn to the Washington Examiner and outkick because no one, there isn't one person at ESPN willing to be their voice, to speak on their behalf. All those fathers and athletes at ESPN and none of them have a word to say? How about the female athletes over there? Are the women at ESPN? Nothing to say? But let anything happen to a career criminal and all of them, they're fighting each other to get on TV and pretend that they're the most upset and the most hurt by it. They all wanna be a voice for George Floyd. Jacob Blake. They want to be voices for, for the uh, child pedophile, white boy Joseph Williams in, in Kenosha because he got popped by Kyle Rittenhouse. But some women getting dragged in sports by a biological man, nothing, nothing to say. Not a word, defend it, criticize it, analyze it, talk about it. You're the worldwide leader in sports and something like this is going on in the sports world and you have nothing to say? This has gotta be the weakest group of men in the history of the planet. And I know I'm singling out ESPN, but this is across the board in corporate sports media. Same go people at Fox Sports. 
little podcasters, Steven Jackson and, and Matt Barnes. And look, I get Steven Jackson was friends with George Floyd. I get it. Anton Butler was my family. I helped raise him. I don't have to play no games or gimmicks. I don't have to pretend like uh, uh, I know what it feels like. I know what it feels like. And I know the proper reaction. And it's not to God up George Floyd. It's not to deify George Floyd. It's to explain to people how not to put yourself in harm's way in that position. I have sympathy, because trust me, I shed real tears, and my family, members of my family, are still in pain damn near 10 years later. I get it. But we're not going to God up and deify my cousin. What the police did, we believe was wrong, but we're not going to God them up and build statues and monuments and act like they're Martin Luther King. And I'm going to save my energy for some people that like, hey man, innocent, innocent, totally innocent victims. We shed virtually no tears. Kids get dropped in these neighborhoods on a weekly, daily basis, and no one has a word to say. They're just like this whole Leah Thomas situation. Everybody's scared. It doesn't serve their social media platforms. So they say nothing. This is all a game and a gimmick. This behavior is so immoral and so weak. I hate to even call it's not even feminine. Because most women have bigger balls than this. This is it's satanic, is all it is. It's just evil. Dressed up as righteousness. But Someone explained to me how the so-called worldwide leader in sports talks sports 24 hours a day. We're seeing biological men go over into women's sports in the Ivy Leagues, the most prestigious, influential, and powerful universities in all of America. And some man who feels like a woman is running roughshod over a bunch of women who were born women, who feel like women, and ESPN won't touch this? Not one person over there? Again, won't, and, and mostly because there's a lot of good people over at ESPN that have stayed out of all of this mess. From George Floyd, that they stay in their lane and talk sports, and I get it. I'm not blaming them. But all, do y'all remember uh, the, the clip I played when uh, Malika Andrews, the NBA host for ESPN, that got Kendrick Perkins and Richard Jefferson talking about Kyle Rittenhouse, and she over, we are all black people. And so that was their qualifications for talking about Kyle Rittenhouse. We are all black people. Well, wouldn't it hold true that 
we are all either boys or girls. So we can talk about Leah Thomas. Kendrick, you have balls and a penis. I have a vagina. I'm qualified to talk about this. Why, why wouldn't that be true? Kendrick, you're a father. Do you want your boys, or I don't, I'm not sure what, if Kendrick's got boys and girls, or I, I don't know. But would he want his boy kids competing against girls? And if he has a daughter, does he want them competing against uh, boys? Very qualified to talk about all of this. Completely unqualified to talk about Kyle Rittenhouse. But was handed a platform because of his skin color. We are all black people. Talk about Kyle Rittenhouse who killed white men. All you need to do to talk about George Floyd, Rayshard Brooks, any of these people is have black skin. That's your qualifications. But to talk about Leah Thomas and what's actually going on in the world of sports, I know that someone used a skateboard trying to harm Kyle Rittenhouse, but that was not the X Games they were competing in. That was a riot. It had nothing to do with ESPN, despite what's the, what's the guy, Gage Rosencruz, I think, was he the one that I think uh, tried to hit him with the uh, Gross Cruz, whatever his name is. He's the one that tried to hit him with the skateboard. I don't care that a skateboard was used. It don't make, it doesn't qualify it as a sport. The Ivy League is a historic league. ESPN, afraid to touch it. Men are cowards. We deserve everything we're getting. And I'm talking, many of us, you watching this show, part of the problem. You may be cheering me on. But as men, we're laying down in every field, every platform, all across the board, men are laying down. Maybe you're uninvolved, you don't work at ESPN and you're not involved in this example of laying down. But many of us, and I'm, trust, don't think I'm leaving myself out of this. Many of us do not have the courage and or discipline to do what's necessary to correct this cowardly world that we're living in. We won't even punish these idiot athletes for the chaos and division that they have. It's hard. Again, to me, I wish I had the discipline to quit watching football. I really do. I've given up on the NBA. Haven't watched a game this year, barely watched any last year, but I wish I had the full discipline to walk away from all of it because I can't stand this group, this era of athletes and men. Cowards, frauds, all of them. And again, when I, all is a bit of an exaggeration, obviously there's some people I like, but ain't none of them 
other than Aaron Rodgers right now standing up. I used to like Drew Brees. He let Malcolm Jenkins and them punk him. He folded. All the, we don't have a, other than Jonathan Isaacs that plays in the NBA, we ain't had a black athlete yet stand up and say, hey man, this, this stuff they doing, group of idiots. I ain't with it, I ain't doing it. I'm not taking no knee, I'm not putting on this Black Lives Matter crap, I'm not down with this. Other than Jonathan Isaac, we ain't heard one black athlete man up and call BS on all of this. We deserve exactly what's happening to us. They should come in and perform transition surgery on all of us. So, uh, like Tupac did in, uh, I, I reference Hearts of Men, but like he did in Hit Em Up, he brought the Junior Mafia click in. I'm tired of even dealing with you, Biggie and uh, Puffy. I'm gonna let the Junior Mafia ride on y'all, and that's what I'm gonna do. And I only wanna call them Junior Mafia. I'm gonna let my Mafia Dave Shannon, Shamika Michelle, Royce White, and Steve Kim ride on y'all for the rest of the show. All we're gonna talk about is the cowardice of ESPN and men, all of us. I'm include, don't think I'm distancing myself from this cowardice, because I'm a part of the problem too, and so are you. We'll start uh, with Dave Shannon. <clears throat> Dave, uh, our brother from Idaho, uh, father of seven. Uh, Dave, uh, help me out here. Uh, where have I gone wrong? Where have I gone right? <laughs> help you out? Brother, the, where you went wrong was you didn't save me anything to kill. That's where you went wrong, Dad. My goodness, what am I supposed to shoot at you that took everything, man? My goodness. You know, Jason, you're right, though. It is a massive form of cowardiceness. And the reason that we're having this is all goes back to what you said earlier. It is the fact that um, this is satanic. And if we move past the idea of that, we're missing the point. We are suffering from an issue of worship. And when we worship false gods, we become like those gods that we worship. And so we are right now worshiping a bitch ass God. And that bitch ass God is creating a form of bitch assness in man. And we're suffering from a massive case of bitch assness. And it's because of the false God that we're worshiping. And so it's no wonder, Jason, when we look at men right now in America, we are at 20 years of the most decreased testosterone we've seen in men. Right now, the average 20, 22 year old, he is probably at the testosterone levels of a 67 year old man back in 2000. And so a lot of the doctors are thinking, oh, man, what is it? Why are we having this? Is it because of the form of work? We're at the offices now a lot more. Oh, we're not exercising as much as we have. And I agree with all those things that they're saying. I think the exercise is good. I think that the work is changing. So we have to be a little more physical. But the true problem of this is that we have incentivized and encouraged from our worship of this false God a certain type of effeminacy in our culture and our man so that it's praised. And so what we're seeing in the man 
is the atrophy of masculinity. Jason, there is no way in the world that a father, when I heard you to reading these girls t- having to go undercover to OutKick and to other sources to talk about the fact that they're being mistreated like this, it drove anger in my heart because I am, I know we've always had foxes go after our hands. We've always had bad guys go after our women. That's not new. What's new is the fact that we don't have men that are say not in my house, not with my baby, not with my people. We are too afraid, like you said, of our social media accounts. I, I, we are afraid of someone not liking us. And for that, we're willing to let the things that are beautiful, that build up our culture and bring so much value to our lives to be taken advantage of and troppled. It's not just sports. It's not going to end at a track meet. It's not going to end at football. It's going to end when all the men have their testicles cut off and we're all running around here like eunuchs. And Jason, the fact is that we're not that far away from that, man. Dave, when, when I hear you talk about we're worshiping a false god, my mind goes to that we're worshiping women. And that's our real false God. I think this problem is most acute in, in black culture because we have a very matriarchal culture, but I think it's a problem throughout American culture that we have gone overboard on uh, women are the greatest thing in the world and uh, women are the key to our success and we've We've just done everything in the world wrong to women, and we, we got to bend over backwards, uh, putting women in positions of power, or yeah. America can't succeed. And so when I look at Instagram and the way my Instagram used to be set up, I, it was nothing but Instagram models, and I'd sit on my phone and just scroll through looking at women in bikinis and stuff. Hour, hour at a time, nothing. And it was just, it was all just, I was obsessed with women and attractive women. And I, I, I eventually figured out like, man, this is really unhealthy and takes my mind places. It, 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 sh- it undermines me as a man, makes me weak as a man to That's put right. attractive women on this type of pedestal, d- distorts my decision making. And so I, I just, I, I think we've like bought the hype and and we're the whole society wants women to just take over and men to 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 lay up and 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 we're just so into feelings now. And that's that's what is repulsive to me as a man. And and it's like it's kind of like I like it about women that they're into their feelings and emotions. But I've never been that way and I'm not going to be that way. And so I don't want a society that's built that way. And just because William Thomas feels like a woman doesn't mean I have to treat Leah Thomas like he's a woman. And I can't build a society based around people's feelings. That's very feminine and inappropriate. And it causes the kind of chaos and dysfunction we have in this society now. You know, 
I probably should have said we worship gods because it's not just one thing. But ultimately, Jason, our form of worship when we leave the true God is ourself. You know, when you're talking about you, you have the what you have in your, your Instagram feed, you're doing things that are gratifying to your own self. The man's problem has always been that he wants to be his own God. And so what we're doing is actually worshiping self. It's not women, it's men. We're worshiping the things and lust that we, we have. And that's exactly the, the complete uh, situation that happened in the garden. You know, when the part of the curse was that man was going to have to regain his ability to uh, uh, stop abdicating his responsibility and take responsibility, it was going to be hard for him to do now, and it was the, the curse for the woman was that she would always want to take over and take the responsibility of that of a man. And so what we're seeing right now in our culture is not anything that's any different from the garden. And that's the, the only way through this, Jason, the only way through this, and there's no other way except for through Jesus. If we don't get back to the foundations of masculinity, which is found only in Christ, we will never be able to fix this problem and get back to it. In every way that Adam failed in protecting his bride, Christ shows us in the Bible how he didn't fail. He actually went and did something that the fathers of UPenn aren't doing, the men at ESPN aren't doing, and us, Christ actually died for his bride. And what we need to understand is that the fight that we're in is not going to be won by us sacrificing our women, but rather by us going out to die for them. And through death, if we believe what the Bible says, Jason, about this whole thing in the culture, if we believe that, then we know through death comes resurrection if we are sacrificing ourselves for the right things. And that's because you do that. You can only do that when you have worship placed rightly and you aren't the sinner and the God of your own world. Dave, I really love how you corrected me and enlightened me. You're a thousand percent right that that is my issue and other people's issues. We're, we're constantly thinking about our own satisfaction. How can I satisfy? I, when I look at any problem that I have from gluttony to yep. dating problems, it's all about instant gratification and how I can satisfy myself is, is, you know, is this steak rare enough? Is this woman hot enough? Is this yeah. fast food? And you're, it's, it's me obsessed with pleasing me that's causing me to make mistakes and it's causing us in this world to fall. I do, before I let you go, I do want to make sure that everybody knows Dave's original point about testosterone levels. That's yeah. scientifically proven and true. That's not Dave speculating. Those are facts. You can go look it up for yourself. The testosterone level of men has been on a steady, consistent decline for the last 20 years, probably longer, but it's very acute in the last 20 years. And scientists have studied it. Doctors have studied it. We have less testosterone. We, we're not sure of what the cause is, but, uh, but, but it is true. And again, I look at our lack of testosterone and our lack of just manly men, that no one, that, that, that someone at ESPN, some, LeBron James, tremendous athlete, 
loves to pretend like he's this super masculine, has a daughter. And he's he's got to be aware, like, well, hold on. They letting men compete against women in sports? How's that gonna impact my daughter? How's that gonna impact my niece, my nephew, my cousins, my friends and their kids? And to say nothing? To say, but you got everything in the world to say about George Floyd or Ahmaud Arbery or, or some, some jack off you don't know nothing about. And many of them, I'm not talking about Arbery, but certainly with George Floyd, certainly with Jacob Blake, certainly with Rayshard Brooks, they put themselves in harm's way. These weren't people, oh, I'm doing nothing and I got hurt. These were people doing something and not complying and they got hurt, but we'll say nothing. Look, there'll be somewhere in America, there'll be some little eight to nine to 10 year old black boy shot and killed tonight. George Floyd's uh, niece, four years old, shot just recently. No one yeah. will say a word. Laying in the no bed. No one will say a Laying word. Laying in bed. Cowardly men won't say a word, but sit around listening to a police scanner, hoping and praying some white cop gets into it with some uh, ex-con that's out on parole, and they'll have plenty to say, and they'll call that courageous. Men are sick right now, and uh, Dave, I appreciate you joining us and being a part of the Fearless Army. I'm gonna keep it rolling. Uh, thank you so back. much, great job. Yep. Uh, tell you guys about Sweat Block. <clears throat> no one likes to talk about sweat, so why do I keep bringing up Sweat Block on this show? Because they are just that good at what they do. Created and recommended by Dr. Sweatblock has helped me in my daily fight to keep my sweating down and under control. I use it in the morning before I start my day, and I'm good all day. I'm actually good for several days. You already know Sweatblock has a roll-on antiperspirant, that, <clears throat> but you gotta go to sweatblock.com fearless and check out all of their other products, antiperspirant wipes, lotion to stop uh, sweaty feet, products specifically made for men and others for women, sweat block is a complete game changer. If you or someone you love is dealing with this, you have to check out sweatblock.com. Get it today for 20% off at sweatblock.com with the promo code FEARLESS. That's sweatblock.com with the promo code FEARLESS. All right, when we come back, <clears throat> we'll get a female voice on all of this. Shamika Michelle is gonna join us from North Carolina. Next. We must exist in a state of man glorious, as we are protected by the red, the white, and the blue. But remember, the mind is the key. The fearless soldier pledges to place God first and foremost in his everyday endeavors of life. We, the fearless army, are one nation under God, indivisible, with freedom and a belief in the American dream. The men bold enough to join our movement comprise what we like to call the new dream team. We are leaders of our families, our churches, and of this nation. We reject the seeds of division that are planted by corporate media misinformation. We affirm that all men are created equal and are endowed with inalienable rights which are granted by our Heavenly Father. We are bound by honor, 
to accept God's challenge, to take the flag and lead, to cherish, to protect, and to nurture the life of our unborn seed. I am a fearless soldier, so shed no tears for me. I am not a victim. I am the man that God made me to be. Amen. All right, welcome back. Uh, we'll roll out to uh, North Carolina and keep the fire going. Uh, we'll get a female perspective on my take about Leah Thomas and ESPN silence and basically the silence of men, male athletes, hell, even female athletes about uh, Leah Thomas potentially disrupting and sending women's sports a totally different direction. It's mind-blowing to me that ESPN hasn't addressed this topic in any way, uh, but I shouldn't be that surprised because, you know, we're just that weak right now. Th this country, this planet, something has happened to men. We've, we've been completely emasculated, but uh, you guys heard I shouted and screamed for 30 minutes. I'm bringing in uh, some of my crew some fearless soldiers to get their take. Shamika Michelle, uh, the floor is yours. What, what, what's, where do you come in on this topic? Well, Jason, if you didn't leave anything for Dave, he didn't leave anything for me. I had to take up a little offering while he was speaking because he was just <laughs> really going in. Look, I agree with everything you all have said, and it bothers me because if you were born a male, I don't care if you cut your penis off and dip it in chocolate. You are a male and you have no business in female athletics. And it bothers me that the person that actually said something to the Washington Examiner had to say it anonymously because of fear, because they don't want to be seen as transphobic. I am so sick of us coming up with words that don't make sense. Listen, there is nothing in me that would be afraid of a man in a dress or a woman in a wife beater. You are already off and mentally ill. I'm only going to be a little bit intimidated if you have a larger gun or a quicker trigger finger. I, I This makes no sense that no one is standing up saying anything about this. And when you talk about all of the male athletes that are not speaking up, I'm, I'm about one step from saying they are one step from starting a campaign that would state all booty holes matter because it really seems that they are not being men. They are not protecting us as women and they want to sit and bitch on TV all day long about things that don't matter. Yet they have daughters and sons who would be affected by this, but they're silent. So I totally agree with everything you and Dave have said so far. You know what? I like your point about this whole transphobic thing because I'm old enough to remember when I had never heard that word, that uh, there was no such thing as being transphobic. But now it appears like the left as a strategy, anything that they're for and people 
with a biblical worldview might be against or people with even a common sense worldview might be against. They define that as some kind of phobia, some kind of racism. They come up with some term and then they throw it out there and then they make it. If you're branded this corporate America, you can't hire this person. They've been branded, we've written story, they're transphobic, or we've accused them of being racist, and therefore they're unemployable. Th this is a tactic that has just worked unbelievably in silencing people. They threaten your livelihood if you don't get on board with whatever they want you to get on board with, and so, the thing that has always baffled me about this whole transgender, transphobic thing is, what percentage of the population could we be talking about? Is it a million people? Is it 100,000? I, I don't know, but I would like to know and say that, hey, look, I get that feeling like you're something else is a struggle for you, but I can't overturn the entire world because you feel this way. And because there's a lot of things that I feel that doesn't mean I deserve the things that I feel. It doesn't mean that the things that I feel I'm supposed to have. Many of the things that I feel are immoral and inappropriate and don't serve me well. Because right now, I feel like a Big Mac and large fry. It's not good for me. It doesn't mean I should have it. And right. so I, I, setting up this world where, and, and again, this is where I thought Dave was brilliant and corrected me and helped me understand myself. Setting up this world so that everybody gets whatever it is they want, that it's, it's just dangerous, and I, I just think this whole defining of everybody that disagrees as some sort of racist or some kind of phobic person, it's a brilliant, evil tactic. For sure. I've always thought that wanting everyone included in everything was a bad idea. And that's where we are now. We want to cater to people's feelings. We want them to feel included. You can't be included in everything. When I was younger, I was a majorette in high school. And we had this young man who could twirl just, just as well as us females. When he picked up the flag or the rifle or the baton, because of his strength, he could go a lot faster. And it just looked amazing because he was a boy. Do you know my band director never acknowledged his ability to be able to twirl. He had to get in a uniform and play an instrument because he was not gonna be allowed to get up there and switch and twitch with the females. And nobody said, oh, that's not right. He has the skill. No one cared about him being included. Now we wanna have people included in everything. And it even bothers me that female athletes are not speaking up. If we had these female Olympic soccer players to take a moment from destroying Victoria's Secret's brand or even the WNBA to take a moment to stop munching carpet for just a minute, they would be enough women to actually bring some
some light to this and be able to make a story of it. It's it's we don't hear it because no one is of um, have enough guts besides us to speak up about it. They want to talk about everything else. You cannot be included in everything. And it is time for us to stop catering to people's feelings and feeling like, oh, well, if they're not going to be included, so what? If I wanted to say I was a bird and we know that birds build their houses and live free, do you know I would be sitting out homeless? No one would say, well, you know, she's identifying as a bird. Just just let her live free. Don't worry about her light bill or her water bill. We are ridiculous right now. As a biology major, I'm sitting back watching people claim that men are women and women and men and wondering, why did I go through this, all of this schooling for nothing? Because you, now you are teaching against everything that I learned my entire life. I, I love your point about inclusion because that's a big popular word that we hear constantly. Are we being inclusive? And, and it defies common sense and order because again, you need an orderly society for everyone to be protected or for the majority of people to be protected and, and to have structure, you have to have it. You can't be inclusive of everything and everybody. And I just think about 20, 30 years ago when it was, oh, uh, men's only clubs. Well, we can't have that. And that's, that's a, well, why can't we? It's why, why can't women have clubs specifically for women? And right. why can't even, I'll go a step further in terms of there's some clubs that cater to wealthy people. And it actually makes sense that people of wealth need a little club that's just for them because they have issues, concerns, pressures, that people without wealth, and again, not that I'm the most wealthy person, but by most standards, I'm wealthy. People have no idea, and I'm not complaining, but again, there's a pressure on you from your family, from friends, expectations, that you actually need to be able to talk to other people that are going through that experience so that you know how to deal with that. As a man, you need a space where you can disciple, mentor, other young men or boys, I'm thinking about the Boy Scout and things like that, that were very healthy and necessary, and they needed a Girl Scout. But again, we're wiping all of those things away and trying to pretend like everybody's the same and everybody needs to go to the same bathroom. Well, it, it, women don't pee standing up. So right. they don't need the same kind of urinal that I need. And and it, it, it's, I don't have periods, so I don't have a need for tampons. And, uh, and again, men have bathrooms that don't have doors because we don't need that level of privacy. Women have bathrooms, because there's just a bunch of differences that we need to recognize and allow people to have their spaces. But this inclusive thing that sounds so great actually is tearing us apart. Uh, Shamika, thank you. Uh, great job. Uh, thank you. We're going to get an athlete perspective uh, here in a second. We're going to go to Minneapolis and bring Royce White into the conversation. But before we go, or before we go to Royce, 
I want you to go to uh, shopblazemedia.com and buy some fearless swag. Get those t-shirts, sweatshirts, hats Uncle Jimmy's been wearing. Uh, we need you to join the Fearless Army and rep uh, the Fearless Army when you're out and about. Uh, but uh, let's take a quick break here and we'll bring in uh, Royce White uh, to further this discussion. We'll get the athlete take. Thanks. All right, welcome back. Uh, let's go out to Minneapolis. Uh, I want to hear from an athlete who can help me understand why athletes aren't talking about what's going on in women's sports and the whole transgender issue. Uh, athletes are very qualified to talk about athletics competition. Uh, they're very qualified to talk about female athletes. They have daughters, they have nieces, they have cousins, they have friends. Many of them date female athletes. Uh, Royce White, give me a clue on why it seems like no athletes, either men or women, have anything to say about the transgender issue. Well, thanks for having me back, man. I appreciate it. Um, I think it's, it's, it's a complex political agenda that's taking place. And first and foremost, there's two genders, male and female, okay? If you're born with a penis, you're a man. If you can bear a child, you're a woman, right? If you have a, a uterus, you're a woman. And this is all a part of a liberal agenda that has an ever-expanding vision. I've said it before. And the, they have hijacked the status quo in our society. They want to keep a hold of that status quo by creating an ever-expanding center of capitulation and complicity, right? And, and the way that they're gonna do that, one is the blanket claim of racism, which we see on a daily basis by the liberal establishment. But the, the, the other twin turbo engine is the ever-expanding definition of sexual misconduct and the ever-expanding definition of gender. And it's not that everybody's gonna subscribe to those engines, those, those, uh, those methods and tactics, but it's that they want to create a, a liberal mainstream culture that forces people to bend the knee in capitulation to these ideas, right? And as far as sports goes, more specifically, sports is not the competition of identities. It's the competition of bodies, okay? So any, anybody who makes the claim that we should do away with the biological differences between male and female bodies is corrupt, patently. All right, let me circle back, Royce, though, again, many of these athletes, LeBron James, Steven Jackson, all, a lot of these allegedly outspoken athletes, they have daughters, they have nieces, they understand competition, they understand how fair it, unfair it would be. Why, why, can't, why won't any of them touch this topic? It's just chameleonic politics. It's it's wokeism, right? It's wokeism that's become a sidecar for corporatocracy. They all have to cash a check, and they're all afraid to offend or or get on the wrong side of the the church of LGBTQ. And and it's it's just disgusting to me. Like I, I said before, look, nobody in America you have a right to live the way you want to, 
And I believe in a free people. And I'll be there to defend anybody who suggests that we should round up individual groups of people based on their identity. I'll be there to fight those people, 100%. Nobody is calling for the roundup and execution of LGBTQ citizens, right? Nobody's talking about, uh, you know, harming them. But we should be able to establish a reality about biological sex and science if we want to have a, a society that has any adherence to science in the, in the most general sense. And we should be able to set moral standards around the framework of our society. And one of those standards should be I shouldn't be able to, as a full, a full grown man, get into an octagon and fight a woman. Right. And, and the same can be said. I shouldn't be able to put on a wig and play in the WNBA. Right. And, and so all of them know that it's wrong. And I've said it before. We are living in a time of 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 selling out. It's at an all time high. LeBron James is obviously on the list. But a lot of these people, a lot of these public figures, a lot of these athletes, they've been conditioned in the in the mode uh, in the spirit of selling out. And, and they have no they have no pathway to be honest anymore. Right. Royce, I'm going to give you another theory that I have, belief that I have, is that, that coincides with what you're saying, but it's just like another layer to it. They've sold out, and what they've been promised is that if you're an elite, if you're a millionaire or someone, this new standards, they won't really apply to you. You'll be above the law. The elites yeah. are above the law, and that's why they're so comfortable selling out is because they're saying, well, this stuff won't hurt me. I'm going to protect my kids and me because I've got money, and so let me look the other way on this stuff. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's an elitist pipe dream that I've been watching for 10 years now. And, and they tried to and look, they tried to rope me into it behind closed doors in the NBA as well. I had a bunch of people sit me down early on back in 2013 and say, hey, you're right about mental health and, and we'll deal with you in good faith when it comes to mental health. As long as you don't confront us, as long as you don't ruffle any feathers, as long as you just play and worry about basketball, we'll help you become everything that you want to be. And, and, and that's the devil's agreement. Right. And a lot of them have signed their name on the dotted line. And, and you're 100 percent right. There's a there's an elitist quid pro quo. And it's it's you can have access to the capital, to the fame, to the audience, to the platform, as long as you make the silent promise not to challenge the status quo, which is, again, the, the, the method of, of an ever expanding liberal agenda here in this country and around the world. Is there any chance that because We've seen Aaron Rodgers break with the corporate establishment on COVID. Uh, you know, we've seen Kyrie break with the establishment on COVID. Is, is COVID like different from crossing ways with the LGBTQ crowd? Is that more dangerous to get crossways with them? <clears throat> I think the LGBTQ one is more dangerous because, again, it's so ambiguous, right? And and the ambiguity is what is what shields it and hides it and makes it makes it cunning, makes it mobile, makes it hard for people to pin down. It also makes it hard for people to have a 
an opinion about it and be able to confidently defend their opinion if they just don't come from a moral and faith-based background or, or foundation. Um, so the COVID one's a little bit more cut and dry because we already have real cultural norms around things like medical privacy, about uh, you know bodily autonomy, even though the left doesn't want to acknowledge it. I think uh, a lot of people see the blatant contradiction in that. Um, but as far as the LGBTQ question goes, I think a lot of people are just unwilling to come out and say, men are men and women are women. And, and so that that muzzles them from the outset. And, and it just, you know, it it's going to take for it to get really absurd. And a person like myself say, hey, you know what? I, I identify as a woman. Let me play in the WNBA. And then you'll see everybody come out and say, oh, well, you're just trolling or you not you don't really believe you're a woman. And, you know, it's like, well, what does it mean to really believe you're a woman? Right. And, and they don't want to have those conversations. So they'll pay people who won't ask those tough questions. That's LeBron James and a lot of these A-listers. The other thing that ran across my mind as I was listening to you talk about the people in your ear about, hey, we'll, we'll deal with the mental health issues in the right time. Just do this. Get on board with this. The people in the athlete's ear that push them towards go along, get along, is that it's their agent or the major agency that represents them. And I used to be rep by CAA. I had two or three different agents over at CAA. And then I figured out like what I do, I challenge the establishment. I can't be represented by the establishment and truly challenge the establishment. And so I had to walk away from my agent and, and from CAA and figured out like, no, the agencies are actually the most evil force perhaps in all of this because these athletes, again, many of, many of them, particularly as it relates to the black, come from poverty. They get wealth at age 19, 20, 21, 22, and they turn to their agent, what should I do? And the agent walks them into what they should do and that what to do is go along to get along. And the stuff, you know, your mama or grandmama or the minister at your church taught you, throw all of that out. That's going to get in the way of you making money and making sure you get invited to all the right parties. And so I, I see the agent and the agencies as the real uh, MK Ultra handlers or whatever, <laughs> they're the, that's the group that leads athletes to slaughter. Well, look, I'm going to say something here that, that is probably beyond the, the line of, of uh, wanted controversy. But I had an, it's, it's timely that you would say it because I think there are a lot of protected classes there are a lot of protected identities. There are a lot of places, nooks and crannies, shadows that people are, are able to hide through this identity propaganda uh, uh, weaponization. And I'll just say this. I think that anti-Semitism has become one of the identity scapegoats that people have used to avoid having very necessary conversations. Okay, and one of the necessary conversations, me as a black athlete is to say, I have to be able to say, to have an honest discourse, that black people have been duped 
by a black elite who are in direct collaboration with the Jewish elite. Now, there are a lot of people out there who will say that to even suggest that there's a Jewish elite is anti-Semitic. But I reject that idea wholly. And again, nobody is advocating to round up Jewish people the same way as nobody's advocating to round up LGBTQ citizens the same way I would hope nobody would suggest that we go back to slavery and, and cotton plantations. But all of these protected identities stop us from being able to have very necessary conversations. And one of them is that the middlemen of entertainment, the middlemen, the brokers of entertainment are the assumed and perceived go-between for a lot of these athletes and what they say goes. And you can look, and, and, and let's just go look at who those people are, right? If we're going to bring a fair criticism to LeBron James and, and, and uh, you know, uh, a Michael Jordan back in his day or uh, some of these entertainers, some of these musicians, whoever it is, comedians, we have to go look at who they have to sit at the table with and do deals with, who are the real voices that influence what they believe they can and can't say. And they are just as culpable um, for the lies and deceit that manifest into the public square and the discourse. And yet we have to talk about a Jewish elite who dominate the middleman position in the sports industry. Let's just say it, whether it be ownership or whether it be the brokership in the agency, it's dominated by a Jewish elite. And there should be nothing wrong with saying that. And, I, and, to, be, and to be even more fair, I think that there is a Jewish elite in this country and around the world that has exploited Jewish people the same way the CCP has exploited the Chinese people, the same way the black bourgeoisie has exploited black people here in America. Royce, you've said a mouthful. Uh, uh, um, I'm gonna, you and I are going to follow up on this conversation. Uh, and I'm not ending it right now because, but you've said a mouthful and it, and it wasn't anticipated, but what you're basically saying is what Dave Chappelle said in the closer. If people really paid attention to the closer, it was sandwiched. All of his jokes were sandwiched in between two space Jews jokes. And, and if you go look at the analogies he made, you're saying the exact same thing as Dave Chappelle in terms of like, hey, I'm sitting at a table and I'm negotiating uh, with people and, and I sit back and go, well, hold on, all the people I'm negotiating with and, and arguments with, maybe they're all in it, on it together. The person representing me and the person I'm uh, in disagreement with running the television network or the movie studio or whatever, maybe they're all in it together and I'm the actual outsider and and and, that's and a Dave's that's a but and to go to a hundred percent. But that's a very different claim than to say that all Jewish people are involved in a nefarious conspiracy. What it's saying no is question that about it. There is a Jewish elite that, in the similar fashion of a black elite or a white a wasp elite or an LGBTQ elite that have that have people in common which create a conflict of interest when it comes to saying things that go against the, the accepted establishment-driven status quo narrative. So again, I wanna be very clear. We're not saying that all Jewish people are in cahoots. No, we're saying, or what I'm saying and what I think Dave Chappelle was saying is, there are conversations that just seem to not be able to take place. 
And if we look at the ones that we on the right are willing to criticize on the left, like, why can't we just say that there are men and women biologically? Well, the flip side of that coin is, why can nobody even say the word Jewish without being threatened, without being threatened with an anti-Semitism uh, designation? That's a problem. And we have to address those first before we can have a fair and balanced conversation about where we are in society. And it goes for gender, it goes for racism. I have to be able to say there's a black bourgeoisie and there's sellouts. And that doesn't bother me, it doesn't offend me. If I hear a white person say, there are too many black men selling out, I'm like, yep, you're right. <laughs> but a lot of people aren't willing to approach it like that. And it's corrupted the, it's corrupted the conversation from the root all the way to the microphone or, or, or the megaphone, as they say. Uh, Royce, what you just demonstrated today is why we call this show Fearless, uh, because you can have conversations here you can't have any place else. I, I did a whole uh, show, I, you and I weren't connected then, but I, about Dave Chappelle and The Closer. Wrote a column about it, talked about what he was trying to say, interpreted what he was trying to say with his space Jews jokes and did a whole show on it. And, and I had a Jewish friend that I had previously worked with, and I've worked with several, but one in particular sent me a very angry text message uh, saying that my column revealed me as an anti-Semite. And I'm like, whoa. Yeah. Is that how I treated you? Is that, <laughs> I mean, really? I mean, the way, is that how I treated anybody? I'm, I'm just interpreting what Dave Chappelle is saying and saying, like, we need to deal with it. We need to talk about it. There's some truth here. And, and so uh, you said the a mouthful liberal, today, the, uh, Royce. The liberals would call Dave Chappelle a racist if they could. It would make no sense because he's black. So the only other things they could call him is transphobe, homophobe, xenophobe, and, and maybe darling of the alt-right and anti-Semitic. So we, we just kind of uh, mash box, mix, mix and match all of these claims when they fit us. And that's just not honest. We all know it. That's not honest. All right. I got to take a break and uh, <laughs> marinate on what you just said and what we just discussed. Uh, we'll end the show with uh, the Korean Cosell. He's going to come in and give us the ESPN take on my whole little rant, uh, where it started, and and can't wait to hear from Steve Kim. All right, welcome back. Uh, time to roll out to Los Angeles and bring in uh, the Korean Cosell uh, to cover the ESPN aspect of the conversation we've been having today. Uh, why is ESPN, the alleged worldwide leader in sports, not talking about Leah Thomas? Uh, Steve, do you have a theory? Well, I, I do. It's interesting. When we spoke about this about a month and a half, two months ago, when we first brought up the issue of Miss Thomas, uh, I thought it was very strange and ironic that ESPNW, which champions women's athletics and female causes, 
is almost like she did not exist. And I guess that uh, still pertains to this particular subject. Uh, I find it interesting. They'll talk about Blair Thomas, Tim Thomas. They'll talk about Leah Remini, but no remnants of Leah Thomas. So it kind of reminds me of that old phrase from Al Gore. This truly is the inconvenient truth that when it comes to athletics, on one hand, you push equality and how that women's athletes are as good as men. But when you get absolute evidence that that simply is not true, radio silence. Steve, don't we don't you believe that if ESPN's analysts were allowed to talk about this or were asked to talk about this, <laughs> they would all defend Leah Thomas and say things mm. so repulsive to the average sports fan, the average mom and dad, the average athlete, that they would look so stupid that that's why they're not addressing it because they don't because they know they would have to stick to the woke agenda and they know that what would be said would be so off-putting to the typical sports fan that ESPN which is already in bad shape and not as relevant uh, with sports fans as it used to be that talking Leah Thomas could be the end of ESPN there's no doubt. Well, here's the thing. They are not allowed to say anything but the approved messaging. You don't go with the state party line. Uh, there will be ramifications and repercussions. There's nothing you can do at that network but to support it. But the problem is if you support it and you go against basic biology and science, it'll be so farcical that it would bring upon a wrath of truth and logic from everyone else that the tact that they're taking is, hey, guys, let's let's not talk about this at all. I can relate this to a little bit of boxing, what's going on here, that at the USA boxing level, they are the regulatory board of the National Amateur Association of USA Boxing. They are in charge of organizing our amateur and international teams that we send to the Olympics and all these other tournaments. They had a decree that at the local level, not necessarily the state or the national levels, that boys and girls between the ages 8, 9, and 10 can actually compete against each other in real fights. And one of my good friends, best known for training Chris Ariola, noted trainer out of Riverside, Henry Ramirez, made it very clear on Twitter, and I just spoke with him about an hour ago. He said, Steve, uh, I've seen the difference in size and strength even at that age. Uh, I won't even let boys and girls spar with each other uh, with supervision. I, I have kids right now at ages 9 and 10. They're so much bigger, stronger, and more athletic it wouldn't even be fair. He says, Steve, I'm not going to fight the rule, but in my own mind, I know one thing, all of my young men will never fight girls. And I think at that point, it's the only thing you could do, but I feel bad for these other competitors at the Ivy League level or NCAA. What happens when this becomes more widespread? I wonder, Jason, I ask you, at what point are we going to get a team of three Joanna mans and they just dominate everybody and, and win by 100 points? At that point, doesn't almost become something you can't ignore? Well, and literally, it's going to probably happen in women's college basketball first. Mm. ESPN loves to promote women's college basketball. Women's college basketball is worthy of promotion. But there's going to be some Division I team, maybe it'll be a non-Power 5 school, that will get some guy 
that wants to transition and play on their team. He'll be six for six, six seven, and he'll Whoa. dominate and uh, oh. may take his team to the NCAA tournament. And ESPN's going to be forced to discuss it because trust me, Gino Ariema, Don Staley, yeah. Kim Mulkey, unless it's one of their players, they're going to be against this and they're going to think this is unfair. Mm-hmm. And ESPN is going to have to talk about it then. But, but by then, because I, literally I think this could happen in the next three to four years, that we're, maybe even in the next year, maybe next season, who knows, that they're going to have to talk about it and then they're going to look even dumber for having avoided the topic this year when it was thrown up, a softball thrown in their face. They, they should be having this discussion right now, but I think it's going to impact women's college basketball within the next three or four years, and they'll be forced to talk about it. J- Jason, you know what's impossible to do is to put toothpaste back into the tube, and the crest and the aim, it's already on the brush. I, I don't think there's any taking it back, but could you imagine a game if, if you had two transitioning players, and I don't mean transition from offense to defense, that were like 6'6", as you mentioned, and were really athletic and were good enough to be maybe very good Juco players or Division two who decided, okay, let's become women. That game would remind me of that old Saturday Night Live skit when Michael Jordan hosted in the early 90s. I don't know if you saw that particular episode, but it was when Saturday Night Live was still funny. They had this one skit where Michael Jordan was the first black globetrotter. And so once he got on the floor, he was the most dominant player, and he's literally scoring 200 points by himself, (laughs) leaving everyone in the dust. He's doing all this stuff over the rim, above the rim. He's so much quicker, bigger, stronger, and faster. So that's what it would become. It'd become the modern-day version of the first black globetrotter. You know what just ran through my mind as you were talking? And I can't wait to work on this. Uh, We're going to have Stephen A. Smith... Oh, we're going to have Uncle Jimmy host a version of, of or play the role of Stephen A. Smith debating the transgender issue on first take. Wait a minute. Uh, you, mean, you, mean, you, mean, you mean Jimmy A. Smith? Yeah, Jimmy A. Smith. Because I'm sitting here trying to imagine what, what would, how would Stephen A. handle this topic? You know what? I I would hope, and this is just a hope, because he actually played basketball. I got to give him credit. He played at at a pretty decent level. He knows. No, he was. Anyway, go ahead. I'm not. I'm not saying he went to Kentucky or Duke, but if you play below above high school, there's still a lot of good players at that level. There's a lot of reasons why they don't make it. Okay, but he played. He knows. Let's be honest about it. You could take. The average high school team that's pretty good. Now, I don't mean one of those Oak Hill academies that are put together as an all-star team and they have one classroom. I'm talking about a good, solid, regular high school team. My guess is they would probably beat every Division One team, female team that makes the tournament by about 20 points. And I might be generous. And there's nothing wrong with that. But the problem is now you're blurring the lines. The lines are obviously blurred. And everyone is acting like this is all 2020 vision. Mm. I would love to see Stephen A. Smith debating Sarah, what, Spain? Sarah Spain. Uh, oh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> on this topic. <laughs> hey, you talk about some good TV. <laughs> 
I mean, you know what's amazing? It, this, this even going back to boxing on these pound for pound lists, which is really about who are the ten best fighters in the world, taking away weight, everything being equal. Who are the most skilled, accomplished, best boxers? There are now people putting in female boxers, and I'm thinking to myself, guys, this is ridiculous. Uh, I, I've seen other exhibitions where some of the best women's MMA fighters go up against like these very mediocre men who actually are outweighed significantly, and the men just maul them. We, we need to have an honest discussion. It's okay to say that there's some of the best women's fighters in the world would not compete with a journeyman club fighter at the six-round level. Think about tennis. John McEnroe, I think about two, three years ago, came out on the CBS morning show and he said, very matter-of-factly, um, I don't think that the top 1,000 men would lose to Serena Williams. And some of these people, their eyes popped out like a cartoon. Guess what, though? He's correct. It's been proven in many other exhibitions. And I'm sorry, uh, Billie Jean King against Bobby Riggs, who's a geriatric, doesn't count. So, look, I... I don't mind women's sports. I don't watch it. I don't follow it. But I certainly respect their right to compete at a level playing field. I just find it very, very alarming and absurd that those who push the sport down our throats, Jason, aren't saying a doggone thing about this. I, I'm, what just ran through my mind was I will never forget during the whole Ronda Rousey era when oh. – I think it was Deadspin wrote a piece. Oh, basically, caught they were they wrote some piece oh. insinuating that she could beat men. And remember, I think they had her fighting Floyd Mayweather. People were that, having that discussion, and I kept calling Ronda Rousey. Yeah, yeah I mean, Go Ronda ahead. Rousey ended up being exposed as really a built-up fighter, and there were actually serious articles in an MMA octagon. How would Floyd Mayweather fare against Ronda Rousey? It's just like, and I think everyone was forced to a certain degree to say, well, you know, I don't think about it. this is absurd. This is absurd. You know, every time I watch women's boxing, I never actually think to myself, how would that lady do against Arter Vetterbiev or Inoue or Terrence Crawford? I just think to myself, you know, for a woman, she's pretty good. How does she stack up with other women? I, I don't get it. Uh, but here's the issue. There's going to come a point in time where ESPN, I do think, is going to be pressed up against the wall. And they're going to say, guys, uh, this one NCAA Final Four team has three transitioning players and they're beating everyone by 80. And they're literally the only teams that's really dunking the ball more than five times a month. How do we deal with this? Thank you, Steve. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, I'm going to let Uncle Jimmy come in here, see if he's got a take on this, see what he thinks about my idea of him playing Stephen A. Smith and debating Leah Thomas or transitioning athletes. Uh, don't go anywhere. Uncle Jimmy and our approval rating on ESPN hurts. All right, welcome back. Uh, you know what, Jim? I, there's nothing I really even need to say. I'm just gonna let you go ahead and complete my sentence. Um, uh, oh, in the words of Steve Kim, pound for pound, there's no one that can compete with Jay. <laughs> pound for pound, he's the best in the industry. 
you really, after the performance I put on today, you got more fat jokes? Jason, those weren't jokes. Those were compliments. I mean, honestly, come on now, stop that. Hey, Jim, all the weight I lost is good as I look, and all you got, you got fat jokes? I mean, see, all the weight I've lost. Jason, Jason, uh, look, I compliment you. Yeah, you done lost a lot of weight, but I damn it, fella, you ain't real good at hiding. That shit always manages to find you. Stop it, man. <laughs> Come on, bro. Look, there goes something right there. <laughs> gotcha. That is one of my problems. I do. You I was do never good problem. at hide and seek. <laughs> All you could play was hide and eat. <laughs> Come on, man. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Anyway, uh, what did you... Okay, how about let me try this. Did you see the... Image of me as Tupac. Did did you see that earlier? The, the it, That's what that. I thought that was too dark. Too what? Too dark. Too dark. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, That's me as Tupac. Put that back up. I love that. No, you know what? Honestly, and, and I give you credit. I kind of put that back up. Thank I, you. I could yeah. tell this morning. Honestly, yeah. I, I could really kind of tell you was on that Tupac kick. Cause I went in the bathroom after you, and it smelled like you was in there having a gangster party. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody should have lit up some chronic, cause it was loud in there. <laughs> now, well, how do you want it, Jim? <laughs> hey, man, I don't know, man. Don't one of y'all got sickle cell or something? <laughs> That, that's the line. That's, mafia. That, that's the line from hit 'em up. Yeah, I, that's, yeah, that's hey man, speak, speak, you you was talking earlier, and I yeah. thought that was kind of cool, man. You was talking about the mafia, and you was talking about all this, because I think that's a good little line. But you do realize that 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 the the, the the toughest member that we have in this mafia is your girl Shamika. Of course, man. Shamika is your girl from New Jack City. Shamika's the one that rock a bar, baby. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? That's Shamika, man. Shamika, hey, man, Shamika. I can't be- believe you had an opportunity to do a set it off analogy and you went with New Jack City. I thought set it off was your favorite. No, man, Shamika, rock a bar, baby. Not Queen Latifah. No, man. Do you, do you remember this particular scene yeah, I was talking about? I know. About? I know oh, man, she was cold with it. Huh. And she rolled with the fellas. She can handle hers. Set it off was all women. Shamika, Shamika's too large. Shamika can't hang around a bunch of women because they be hating on her. Well, that's you know, and, and, and I mean, for real, man, Shamika be speaking things that I, I only wish women. Shamika, did you hear what she said today? She said something I never thought about. She said, she talked about a chocolate dip ding ding. <laughs> now, I ain't never thought about eating no ding ding, but if I had to eat one, I'd want it to be chocolate dip. <laughs> this ain't the show for that. And then she said, then I love this one. She said, she, she started speaking up for the ABHM. ABHM. All booty holes matter. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, she was on one today. And then she asked the question that everybody want to know. When in the hell is the WNBA going to stop munching carpet? (laughs) (laughs) Shamika was on one today. Yes. It was her day today, man. This was her show today. Come on, man. All right. uh, We're a little bit tight. We went a little bit long. So uh, I want to get When in the hell have you been tight? I'm sorry. <laughs> Come on, man. I'm sorry. We got to get to our Let's go, man. Let's go. On ESPN. Uh, everybody knows I'm going dumpster fire. But anyway, job performance, I'm going to give them a one because they still have an occasional game that I'll watch over there. But 
That that's it. I could really could. I give him a twenty five. A twenty. How, how you gonna give ESPN a twenty five? Are you serious right now? That's a perfect score. Jason, have you seen some of these women that ESPN got up there? Have you seen some of these? Well, look, will you look at this? <laughs> Come on, man. Look at some of these pictures we got Malika going up. Andrews. I don't know who it is. I don't know. Her first name, but look at that. Look at that. Molly. Look at her. Molly's single and ready to mingle. <laughs> <laughs> Damn me. Come on now. Yeah. Uh-oh. Who's that? I don't know. Oh, is that Lauren Rutledge probably? Yeah, whatever. Yeah. Whoever she is, her, her, her name's Baby, ain't it? <laughs> Come on, man. Let's go. So you love the Instagram models over at ESPN. I got you. There you go. Uh, character. ESPN has no character. When we started this show, what did I tell you they was? Who did I call them? The WWE ESPN. They ain't nothing but a bunch of characters over there. All right, you got them at a 25. I got them at a zero. Authenticity. I don't find anything authentic about them. I got them at a zero. I got them at a zero. Mm. They, they ain't about sports. They ain't about men. They ain't about America. They ain't about apple pie. To hell with them. Uh, good one. It factor. It, it's other than Coca-Cola, it's one of the strongest brands. So I give them a five in it factor. Hey, man, look, with all them pretty women they got up there, man, they ain't got to say nothing. You know, they ain't got nothing to say to me, man. I give them a zero, man. Mm. All right. The ESPN ain't nothing but, you know, we call them the Eye Candy Hall of Fame. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, speaking of eye candy, mm. I want some ear candy mm. from tomorrow. Ah! Oh, I just had an eargasm. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We'll see you tomorrow. Sitting on a corner, never been alone, I'll break my back for freedom. Bless, we are living, get back, we are receiving all the seed when we all want to be free. We want freedom. I just want, I want to be, I just want, I want to be, I just want, I want to be.